Genesis chapter 17. Let's go before the Lord and ask Him to bless this time. Father, You wrote this book. You know this thing inside and out. Would You please bring great wisdom to the table? Would You please show us exactly what we are to know and to learn tonight? What we're to walk away with so that we may be able to teach it to others what we have learned and what we have heard. So please, Lord, please, come and would you stand here? Would you have your way? Would you speak to the people? Let everybody's heart be changed forever. Mine too, King, please. Thank you for hearing this prayer. and I trust that you'll come and do a great work in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Genesis chapter 17. Remember last week, what did we talk about? Abraham and Sarah and who? Hagar. Yep. You remember... Abraham messed up and had an Ishmael. And uh, many times we in our lives have Ishmaels, don't we? Yep, we mess up, we don't listen to the Lord, we get impatient and we push forth things and try to do things and make things happen. And guess what? We end up having an Ishmael, which turns out to be the Arab or Muslim nation of today. And oh man, uh, now the children of Israel reap that and it becomes a thorn in their flesh for all their days. And we see it today. It's in the news today. That whole war between the Arabs and the Israelis, the Jews, it happened right there in Genesis chapter 16. That's where it all started, back to Isaac and Ishmael, or back to Abraham making that decision to take on Hagar, and as his, as his wife it says, but it's his maidservant, and he goes and has a baby with her, as Sarah, his wife, tells him to. But we don't have to do that, do we? Because we trust the Lord tonight. We trust the Lord. You and me, I know you guys are definitely trusting the Lord not going and doing things impatiently, but leaning on Him, trusting in Him, seeking His face on what is to happen and what is to be done so you don't end up having an Ishmael that will ruin the rest of your life. So uh, let's continue to do that as we look here in chapter 17. So God has promised Abraham what? A child. His name is Isaac. He was impatient, so he went and tried to force the process. Why did he want a son? Does anybody remember why? Yes, to give his inheritance, because he's thinking to himself, yeah, Lord, you blessed me so much, I know, yeah, I got all these, you know, cow and sheep and ox and all the above, you give me all this money and stuff, but who really cares, who am I going to pass it down to? Am I going to pass it down to who? Dodo. Eleazar the Dodo man, that's right, Eleazar, he's not really a son of Dodo, but reference to that, because there is another one named Eleazar, but he doesn't want to pass his inheritance down to Eleazar, Why? Because that's not his true son. He's just got to give the property away to somebody else. It's like if you built this huge, maybe Microsoft was your company, and you had no son to pass it down to. You've got to pass it down to Joe Schmo over here who you don't even know, who isn't even a part of your crew or your family. It's like, I don't want to give it to him. And so what did the Lord do? The Lord said, okay, all right. Abram? Abram was his name back then. We'll see his name change tonight. But he says, Abram, all right, don't worry about it. I've got it taken care of. You're going to have a son. I'm 86 years old. Do you truly think I'm going to have a son? Yes, you're going to have a son. I mean, listen, how many years have they been trying to have kids? Remember, from like age 14, 15, as they were married in those days probably, and, and, and uh, Sarah's like almost 82 or something like that. It, I mean, they've been trying to have kids for a long time. It's not happening. It's not working. She's barren, so-called. But God says what? You're going to have kids. You're going to have more kids. I mean, you're going to have a nation come from you. There's going to be more kids and more people than you would ever know or think of. Remember, more than the sands on the seashore. That's a lot of sand. Go, go pick up a handful of sand and look at that. 
and his multitude would be greater than that. He said, look at the stars in the sky, remember? He says, your multitude would be greater than that, Abraham. And Abraham didn't listen, did he? Nope. He went and said, we're going to speed up the process. I think God's going to have our child through Hagar. And so he goes and has sex with Hagar and has Ishmael, the problem. He should have never done that. And so now God continues to come back to him and says, listen up, you're still going to have this child. So let's look in verse uh, 1 of chapter 17. We'll start there. And when Abraham was 99 years old, 99, the Lord appeared to Abraham. Now the Lord, now we'll stop right there real quick. The Lord has not talked to Abraham in like 15 years. Time period has gone by. You ever have this dry time? It's like, dude, God, where are you, man? 15 years have gone by and I haven't heard your voice. I'm not passionate. I don't know what's going on. I'm just walking around the dark. 15 years. Many times we want what? I want God to answer me this year. Oh, really? What if He's not going to answer you for 15 years? Pastor Steve Wilburn, many of you know, was crying out to be in ministry for year after year, just you know, wanting to serve and wanting to teach and do those things. And he was teaching, but not, on, not a pastor. And the Lord told me he was going to be a pastor. But it wasn't until he was 37 years old. The Lord had given him that vision back when he was like 18 or 20 or something like that. What almost a good 20 years passed by before it comes to pass. Stay tuned, my friends. Don't demand now. The Lord will bring it when it's right. 15 years seems like forever, though. I was thinking about when I was back in 5th grade or 4th grade. And I thought about how long it was going to be until I graduated from high school. And I thought it was forever. Then I thought about college. I'm like, God, this is lame, man. You've got to go back to school for four more years. That's like so many years of school and homework and essays. I don't even want to think about that. I think that was forever. To God, how, how long is 15 years? A second. It's nothing. He's been around forever. How long is forever? Remember, it's like 10,000 times, 100,000 times, a million years times, a, a billion years times, a trillion years times, a zillion years. And that's just the beginning of it all, right? It's not even that much time at all. It's like a snap to him. He just says, no, that's not that much. Forever is a long time. And we look at 15 years. And the, Abraham, stay tuned, my man. The Lord's coming through. 99 years old, the Lord appears to him. And says, I am the Almighty God. Walk before me and be thou perfect. Stop there, verse 1. Gosh, there's so much. Almighty God here. This word, Almighty God, it's the first mention. Remember, hermeneutics? You students of the Bible, hermeneutics. Why? Studying the Bible, knowing how to decipher and figure out. And interpret the Bible correctly. If you want to figure out a word or what it means or the context of a word in a passage, what you do is you always go back to the first mention, the first time it's mentioned in the Bible. You find a translation there and you figure out what that means and you apply it to your passage to see if that's the correct one there. That's what you always do. First mention is very important. This is the first time God mentions this name of Himself. Almighty God, it means what? El Shaddai. Very interesting, this word here, El Shaddai, because the word El, God, means what? The strong arm, the masculine arm of God, the strong man, the strength of God, the power, the man side of God that can take care of all things. But the word Shaddai there, El, El, strong side, Shaddai means the breast of a woman. To nurture and to take care of, to feed and to come alongside and warm a baby. 
That's what that word there means. The both, the, the, the strong side of God, the strong man that can take care of everything, and the loving mother there within the same phrase. Almighty God, I love that. And that shows there too. Well, we don't need to really go into that, but man, guys, when you're raising up your children, you raise them, there's two sides. There is a man and there is a woman side. And the woman is to take care of the, the kids and, and push and infiltrate what? The loving, the nurturing side of her and what she can bring to the table or of the relationship. And the man is to bring the man's side, the masculine, the best of his ability and play that role and do that for his boy and the woman to teach the girl. To. And so you see here, gosh, we've seen all kinds of crazy stuff happen in our days. You know... I guess, you know, I don't know what it was, 10 or 20 years ago, they were pushing the whole men need to cry thing, men need to cry thing, or something like that, which is okay, you know, it's okay for a guy to cry, but jeez, come on, a man's to be a man, and he's to take care and to shepherd over, and the man is to protect the house. Is the woman, what if a burglar breaks in, do you call upon the wife to go and take care? No, come on. The man needs to grab the bat and say, you're in my house, you better leave right now before I drop kick somebody, okay? You don't step on, this is my house, my family. The shotgun, whatever you prefer. Don't do that. Those of you listeners, don't listen to that. (laughs) But you know what I'm talking about. There needs to be that. John Corson used to say, Peter John, when he was young, used to walk around and hang his hand like this all the time. Like he just always did that, you know? And John John would tell him, he's like, you're not doing that. Put your hand on your side. Put your hand on your side any time. Because why? I'm going to raise you to be a man that could take care of your family. You're not going to stand like that. You're not going to be a sissy. It's not going to happen, you know? <laughs> you know, hey, we've all been sissies at times. It's the truth, you know? We're all scared to do whatever. But we need to teach our kids that, men. And women, you need to pour into those things to your children that love and that nurture. Almighty God gives and brings both. I love it. If you didn't have a dad, that's okay. The king, go look through the Bible and he'll take care of that for you. If you didn't have a mom like me, he'll take care of that too. I need help with... Uh, you know, just really being sensitive to people. and really, I have no sympathy, it seems like. Like, I don't pit up with things a lot, you know. Nikki will tell you, you know. But I, I, I just, I kind of just bulldoze things and just expect, really, you know, like, what's it, deal with it, do it right now, you know. It needs to be done. Like, and that's because I did not have that. And so I seek the king for that softer heart, of course. But, almighty God, El Shaddai, the strong man and the nurturing of a woman. Walk before me and be thou perfect, God says. Abraham, El Shaddai speaking, Almighty God, walk before me and be perfect. How old is Abraham? 99 years old right here. Guess what? He tells Abraham, walk perfect and, and be set apart or be upright. The word there, perfect, does not mean perfect like, be ye perfect as your father is perfect. Matthew, uh, what is it, 5.48. Not that kind of perfect like, be perfect as God is perfect. No, that's not the language here. The word here is be upright, be sincere, be dedicated, be for real. Walk before me and be sincere, be perfect. And God would say that to you and to me tonight. Be sincere about your relationship with God. Are you joking around? Is, is this just some game that you play for a little bit and then go back? Is it Candyland for you? Is it Monopoly that you get deep into one night and then run from? What are we doing? Be sincere. Be genuine. Be upright. Set an example for the men around you, for the girls around you. 
Why not? What do you have to lose if you do? Almighty God comes to you today and says that. Stand up, man. Be a man already. And take care of business and be upright and be sincere and be, have integrity and have character. And be different from the rest of the guys. Set the true example of a man in these days, for gosh sakes. And women, set the example of a woman. Please. We need that today. The girls are crazy these days, you know? Doing whatever they can possible to get the attention of the man. Throw themselves and dress this way and do this or do that. Guys, how many of you guys look at the hussy and say, oh, she's the most beautiful, gorgeous flower I've ever seen and Man, she's a princess. and You don't think that, do you? You don't think the chick that walks by with the shortest skirt she could get on and throw it and let everything hang out like, man, she is a prize gem. The most beautiful diamond I've ever seen. Yeah, right. Looks like this came out of the gutter. Get that out of here. The Proverbs 31 woman, that is the woman that will be praised, the Bible tells us. And men, a man who walks upright, all men will applaud you one day for that. All men. Your friends and your family, they will applaud you for that. And you will get the praise, even if your buddies say, No. You make a stand, you walk upright, you walk sincere, you walk dedicated before the Lord. And you will be praised. Do we do it to be praised? No. We do it because the King has been good to us and because we want to bring Him glory, my friends. It's like a knight in shining armor fighting the correct way. And Mr. Chump wants to cheat and bring out the little dagger and try to you know, stab me in the throat or something. I take out the sword and just swing that thing like no other and stand up and be different and be upright. You know what I'm talking about? Stay tuned. Stay with me. So he tells them that, be perfect, Almighty God, El Shaddai, strong arm, the nurturing God, telling Abraham, be perfect, upright, set apart, different from the rest. And verse 2, and I will make my covenant between me and you, and will multiply thee exceedingly. You see that? Multiply thee exceedingly. Remember he promised him, I will multiply your seed exceedingly. And Abraham fell on his face, and God, God what? What does it say there? God talked with him. I love that translation. I just love the way it says that. God talked with him. He talked with him. Why is prayer so hard for us, guys? We just did it, right? We just experienced it. How hard is it to talk to God? It's so much harder to talk to people in general. Because we talk to people and we hope that they listen to us and try to conversate with them and it doesn't work. You don't want to laugh at their jokes because they're lame. It's like, okay, okay, stop throwing the jokes at me. You know, it's old. Okay, guy, you know, you've just been babbling for the last hour. I want to really want to get out of this conversation here, you know, or you're trying to talk to somebody and they're zoning off doing something. It's difficult to even talk to people. But God, is it hard to talk to Him? No! He is there for you always, has an ear to lend to every single man, every single person. God is the easiest person to talk to when we do it the less or the least with Him. Amazing. God talked with Him saying, verse 4, 
As for me, behold, my covenant is with you. And now, or you shall be a father of many nations. Neither shall your name any more be called Abraham, I mean, or be called Abram, but thy name, or your name, shall be called Abraham. For a father of many nations have I made thee. Abram, what did that name mean? Anybody remember? It mean, exalted father is the name there. Abram. Now, the, fa- the word Abraham means the father of nations, or the father of many. Father of a great multitude, you see there in your margin, for those of you who have uh, King James. So he still brings the promise to him, you're going to be a father of many nations. Then to move on to verse 6, I will make thee exceedingly fruitful, and I will make nations of thee, and kings shall come out of you. And we know what kings came out of him. We know our king. Of course, the king of kings came down that line. that descent. But also King David, we see. Solomon. Verse 7. And I will establish my covenant between me and you and your seed and thee and their generations for everlasting covenant to be made, a, to be a God unto thee and to thy seed after thee. I want to stop right there, verse 7. Very interesting. I love the covenant made. God says, I'm going to make you many nations, but he also says another thing. Did you catch it? The second thing he says there, it's an everlasting covenant to be a God unto you. An everlasting covenant to be a God unto you. That's the most amazing promise I've ever seen. Why? God has just made a covenant to the people that I will be your God. I will be your God. I will never leave you nor forsake you. I'm going to be there for you. I'm going to be your God. I'm going to take care of you. When God says, I am, before Abraham was, I am, Jesus said it. When Moses said, who do I tell them that I'm speaking to, or who do I tell them that sent me? He says, tell them I am sent to you. Who I am. Why I am. Why does God say, say I am? Because God is says, I am whatever you need me to be. I am the great I am. I am everything you need. Do you understand the phrase, I am? I am everything for you. I am your God. I am your provider. I am your healer. I am your protector. I am everything you need me to be, friends. That's what God says to us. And that's what He says to His nation here. I will be your God. I'll make the covenant with you to be your God forever and ever. I will never leave you. Look at what God has done. God has protected Israel all these thousands of years. Thousands of years. Look how big Israel is as a nation. So small. Extremely small. Remember like the size of San Bernardino County. That's how big Israel is. This little nation, this small little piece Let's compare it to the Arabs. Remember the football field illustration? If, if the football field represents all of Israel and all of the nation that all, of Arab, all the Arabs own, that's, you know, Syria and Lebanon and, you know, all the way down to Egypt and all the, okay? It represents all of the land, okay? You've got the Arabs and you've got Israel. All the land is a football field. This is how much is Arab, and this is how much is Israel. Israel is one foot by one foot of the football field. Not one yard. One 
foot by one foot of a football field. That's how much land Israel owns. Guess who owns the rest? The Arabs do. And God is what protected these people. Look at all the great nations that have tried to wipe them off the face of the earth. What are they doing still standing? It's amazing. It's unbelievable. God has made that covenant with them no matter what kind of people they've been. Notice, they've turned their face from God and they've done all kinds of crazy things. But God still takes care of them. Look at the great nations that have been amongst the earth. Where's Rome? It's gone. Where the Greeks? They're gone. The Babylonians? They're gone. The Egyptians? They're gone. Well, the Egyptians, they're still, they're still alive today, the people there, but they're not a civilization still mended together, still happening, still a nation. No. The Jews are. Amazing. It's our king. He's made this covenant with them and, and with us also. Verse 8, And I will give unto thee and to your seed the land wherein thou art a stranger, all the land of Canaan, for everlasting possession, and I will be their God. How long possession? What did it just say? Everlasting possession. How long? Everlasting possession. Did you get that? Say that with me. Everlasting possession. Everlasting possession. How long does that mean they're going to possess the land? Forever. Everlasting, right? How much land was Israel supposed to have? Does anybody remember? 300,000 square miles of land. That's how big they're... All of Syria, all of Lebanon, all of Egypt, all of that was supposed to be who? Israel's. That's the land that was mapped out that God said everything that you'll see is given to you if you want it. How much did they possess? How much did they actually take of that 300,000 square miles? One-tenth. And that was in the reign of David, I believe. They took 30,000 square miles and that's it. That's the most they've ever took. And God says, I've given you 300,000. And how long will they have that land? Forever. There is no dispute about whose land that is. There is none. The Bible tells us directly. All they have is one foot by one foot right now. And what is everybody saying? Give back more land. Give back six inches. That's ridiculous. That's absurd. God has given them all that land. And I believe if Israel would rise up just like in the days of Joshua, in the days of King David, and if they started attacking and just started going for it, I believe the Lord would bless it and would just give all the land to them. Because every time they attack, they take so much land and then they negotiate back for all kinds of crazy stuff. Gosh, you should go watch the 50 Years War if you haven't seen it. It's absolutely amazing. It's like an eight-hour video documentary on Israel, the 50-year war and all that's happened with them, and all the land they've gained and given back and gained and given back, and how it all works out. It's just amazing. I wouldn't be surprised, though, if they just, if they, with the rocks in hand, I bet, if they just started marching and just through and just throwing rocks, I bet they would take all the land. The Lord would like, you can't stop them. If they would call upon the name of the Lord, I wonder what the land the Lord would give them. Gosh. That's not fact. That's just Josh Thompson interpretation, so don't take that. But verse 9, let's move on. And God said unto Abraham, Thou shalt keep my covenant therefore, thou and thy seed after thee in their generations. This is my covenant, verse 10, which you shall keep between me and you and thy seed after you. 
Every man and child among you shall be circumcised. And you shall circumcise the flesh of your foreskin, and it shall be a token of the covenant betwixt me and you. And he that is eight days old shall be circumcised among you. Every man and child in your generation, he that is born in the house or bought with money of any stranger, which is not of thy seed, he that is born in thy house, and he that is bought with thy money, must needs be circumcised, and my covenant shall be in your flesh for an everlasting covenant. Check this out. So God says, guess what? I'm going to make a covenant with you. And I'm going to give you a token. And I'm going to give you a token, a sign. And uh, I was listening to a message earlier, and something interesting. Uh, what if God told you, I'm going to give you a token, or I'm going to give you a sign? You think, like, oh, snap, he's going to give me something. I need a token. Does that mean a token to put at Castle Park so I can play a game? No, no, not that many tokens. Maybe a little crown that I can wear, like, woohoo, look at me, i got a token on. You know, this is a token of the king, and, and what is what has happened and what he has done. Check it out. Everybody will know. Everybody will look at Or maybe it's a giant medallion around your neck or something. Everybody who follows me and follows God, yes, this is what we wear and this is what we do. This is our token. Oh, no. God comes in and says, guess what? I'm going to give you a token. Your token is this. Every single man will be circumcised. Every single one. Circumcision. And if you don't know what that is, go ask your parents. <laughs> I'm sorry if you don't. I'm not going to explain it. But, um, and maybe that's going to lose you, but... Circumcision. When does God tell Abraham to get circumcised? How old is he? 99 years old. <laughs> 99 years old. Ninety-nine years old. And guess what? Remember, he hasn't had his first real child yet. You know, he hasn't even been able to have a child there with Sarah. And it's not until he is circumcised, if you notice here in the text, that that is when the child comes and the God promises it to him. But circumcision is something very interesting in the Old Testament. And notice, notice there in verse 12, did you see what it says? He that is eight days old shall be circumcised among you. Eight days. Did you see that? Eight days. A baby's born. Guess what? Eight days. On the eighth day, they are to be circumcised. Now, we know today, that they didn't know back then, that they say it's, it can be more healthy and better to be circumcised when you're younger because it can help out with all kinds of different things. Da, 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 da. Medically, that's what they say. But guess what? If you're going to circumcise, you can, you can only circumcise, you're supposed to circumcise. The best time to circumcise is, guess on what day? The eighth day. You do it seventh day, too early. You could do all kinds of damage. You do it the eighth day, it's, I mean the ninth day, it's like, it's too long, it's too far, it's going to cause a lot of pain, I guess, to the child. And so the eighth day is the perfect time. And even medically, doctors will tell you this. And of course God knew all of a, all along way back when. Oh, I love it. Where are you at, scientists? Where are you at, doctors in the medical field? The king to serve you a dish. 4,000, 5,000 years ago. I can't believe it. It's awesome. All you got to do is read your Bible. You want to know stuff? Read it, man. Find all kinds of cool stuff out. Like what day to circumcise your kids, man. You got it. 
Wonderful. So, the Lord tells him to circumcise everyone. Every single person. Every single one. They're all to be circumcised, including himself. Now, gosh, what time is it? No, man, we are in trouble. <laughs> okay, circumcision real quick. I listened to a message by uh, Corson about circumcision. An amazing message that I would encourage all of you to listen to if you get a chance. He, he parallels circumcision with tongues, with the speaking the gift of tongues. And, and it's absolutely amazing and phenomenal that circumcision is an Old Testament picture of tongues in the New Testament. The sign, the gift of tongues, it, it blow your face off. It's crazy the way it works. Because, well, let me just... Get, oh, no, I better not. I better not. I'll tease you, you know. You, you should go listen to it for yourself. It's Genesis chapter 17. It starts in verse 9. You'll look on the messages. Genesis chapter 17, verse 9. Uh, that's the message I listen to. But the, the message on tongues, you go to 1 Corinthians chapter 14, okay? That's the one that you would look up if you want to listen on course. And you get this phenomenal. Blow your mind on tongues. If you want to know about tongues in the church and why it's so pushed out today and why we don't talk about it and why we don't do it and exercise it, go and listen to that message. You'll be blown away. I promise you that. JohnCorson.org J-O-N-C-O-U-R-S-O-N few listeners. <laughs> so, um, let's move on and, and, and try to finish this up. But circumcision is what he gives. And he says everyone needs to be circumcised. What happens when, when circumcision happens? I'm not going to describe it to you, but guess what? The flesh is cut away. That's what we know. The flesh is cut away. Not to get too graphic, but Listen. Circumcision is a great picture for us spiritually, isn't it? For we need our flesh to be cut back. We need the flesh around our hearts to be cut back. That is trying to overtake our spirit. We all need to be circumcised in one way or another, spiritually. That the Lord would cut away the flesh and the things that eat at us and mess us up. The things that destroy our minds and keep us away from the Lord. A great picture, a great principle there. Man, there's so much room to my, but I can't talk about that now. We'll move on. Praise the Lord. Verse 13. He that is born in thy house, and he that is brought with thy money, must needs be circumcised, and my covenant shall be in your flesh for everlasting covenant. Guess what, the Jews? It will literally be in their flesh for everlasting and how many times will they recognize that and see that? Well, a whole lot. When they use the restroom or whenever they're taking it, they, they see this and they'll know that and they'll understand that that is a covenant. And the Jewish, they're within the times of Abraham all the way to the days of now. Bar mitzvahs, you know about it, you understand it. If you don't, the full time of Jews do celebration for circumcision for the child. And so we know this covenant, covenant will remain you know, within and we'll see that. And of course, we don't need to be circumcised to be saved now in these days. And Paul goes after that in Galatians if you want to read through that. But let's move on to verse 14. I'm going to try to mow through this and finish this up so we can um, wrap everything up here. And in the uncircumcised man whose flesh of the foreskin is not circumcised, that soul shall be cut off from the people. He hath broken my covenant. Verse 15, And God said to Abraham, as for Sarah thy wife, thou shalt not call her name Sarai. I'm sorry, her name is Sarai. I've been saying Sarah. But he shall call her what? Sarah shall be her name. Sarai means contentious. 
You see her being that, just that, in the last chapter. Pushing Hagar to be the wife of Abraham and having an Ishmael. But now he names her name what? Sarah. And what does that mean? Princess. means princess. I love it. What a great picture the Lord does. The Lord has taken us. We're in rags and definitely Cinderella and turned us into that princess or that prince, that king. He's taken us and reshaped our lives in such a great way and we say thank you for that. Verse 16, I will bless her and give her thee a son also of her. Yea, I will bless her and she shall be a mother of nations. Kings of people shall be of her. What does he say? I will bless her with what a son. What does that show? That children are a blessing. Children are a blessing. You know, I just, man, I just think, I don't even want to have kids these days. Like, I'm telling you, I'm just sharing it with my heart. I just like, I don't even want to have kids, man. That's what I think sometimes because of the way society is. I used to go into the high schools and teach all the time. I see how wicked and messed up the kids are. It's like, dude, and the things that I used to do, I'm just fed up with myself, you know? You know what you did in high school and you know what you've done in the dark when no one's looking at the things that you've... I don't want my kids to do any of that. I want them to stay as far away from that. But guess what? They're going to take on my characteristics. Gosh, my characteristics and, and, and be an idiot and, and do lots of stupid stuff and so much. But the Lord tells us here that kids are a blessing. And guess what you get to do? You get to raise them up in the way of the Lord. And there is hope, my friends, because I know a guy who I went to the desert with for four months where he has five kids and not a single one has rebelled against him. Not one. Sure, have they had their little times and maybe they talked back and said things? Yeah, but not one has rebelled against the Lord. Not one has rebelled against the family or done anything. Amazing. It's possible. It's called spending time with your kids when they're young. They say, my parents didn't do it. Listen, well then you get to be different. And me too. Then from the time that your kids are one and two years old, you pray with them and have them pray. And when they're three and four, you pray and have them pray. When they're five and six, you pray and have them pray. And when they're six and seven, you pray and have them pray. When they're eight and nine, you pray and have them pray. And they're 12 and 13, 14, you pray and have them pray. And when they're 16, 17, 18, you're praying with them continually and having them pray. And they are kids that know the Lord and chase after the Lord and experience God and have their own relationship with God. You don't have to say, Son, go do your devotions. You don't even have to tell him that because he knows what he needs to do and understands and makes wise decisions. Your daughters. You understand? Guys, I've got to say something real quick on that. I'm sorry. But I asked John that when I was in the desert. I'm like, how do we raise kids in this day and age? He says, this is what you do. You teach them to think. You teach them to think. What, how does the Father raise us? How does the Father do with us? What does He do? He teaches us the right way. And then when they come to do the wrong way, this is what He says. He says, you have a choice. You can do whatever way you want. But there are repercussions. You do the same with your kids in this way. son says, Dad, I want to go to the party. Okay, son? You have a choice to make. We're going to talk about the party and all the rep- and the things that happen at a party and all things that you can do and experience at the party. You're going to know thoroughly about it. But you're also going to know the repercussions that can come from it, from the party individually. But more than that, you're going to know these repercussions too. That if you do go to the party, you don't have the car tomorrow. You're not having it for the next week. Those are the repercussions. You reap what you sow. I'm sorry. That's just the way the cookie crumbles, okay? That's not me being a, a, a mean dad or anything like that, No. These are the rules, just like God has established rules for us. And guess what? You break those, 
If you go and steal, what happens? You're going to jail. Okay? That is something that's set into play in the same way. And so what do you do? You don't get angry at your kids or bummed out on you. Oh, you, you want to make that decision? Okay, well, let's talk about it. I'm going to give you everything and all the information, and then you make the decision of what you want to do. And if you make that decision and do that, these are the repercussions. And you can go and do that. Are you serious? Yeah, the Father lets us do anything. We have choice, don't we? Think for yourself. Kid, think for yourself. What do you want to do? And he thinks it through thoroughly. I want to drive this next week. I'm not going to go. Or you know what? That may sound cool hanging out with my buddies, but it ain't that cool. I really don't want to end up a drunk dad one day or something beating my kids. I don't, I'm not down for that. And they weigh these things out back and forth. Teach them to think. Don't say, this is what I said and that's the way it's going to go. That doesn't work. God doesn't do that with us, does He? No. He, he has reason for everything. Reason for everything. He's given us mind to reason. I used to get so mad at my dad for that. Like, why? Because I said so on the dad. Why? So I said so on the dad. And so I would want to just go and rebel. They didn't know why. And so, okay, son, I'll give you why. And I'll give you all the reasons why. And I'll talk it thoroughly with you. And you go talk it through with the Lord. Because I taught you to pray all these days. And you know how to pray and spend time with the Lord by yourself since you were two. And he'll make the right decision, my friends. Will he mess up here and there? Sure, we all do. But he'll make the right decision. And maybe that's what me and you need in our lives today when we don't have parents anymore. We can do whatever we want. You older guys and girls, you know what I'm talking about. Let's move on. Kids are a blessing. Verse 17, Then Abraham fell upon his face and laughed and said in his heart, Shall a child be born unto him that is a hundred years old? And shall Sarah that is ninety years old bear? That laugh there, he's not laughing at the Lord mocking like, Do you think me, a hundred years old, is going to have a kid? And my wife who has never had kids is going to have a kid? Yeah, right, Lord. No. He's laughing in a way that is saying, Wow. Are you serious, Lord? Truly? I mean, this is crazy. We're really, it's really going to happen? I'm going to bear a son? And then Abraham says in verse 18, Oh, that Ishmael might live before thee. See, he's, con- he's, he's become attached to Ishmael. He's been with him for 13 years now. And he loves his son Ishmael, and, and he wants to pass it down to him now. And he wants See, Ishmael has become a problem now. He says, Oh God, that you would give all the blessing upon Ishmael, and that you would bless him. That says, No, I'm going to bless Isaac. But the Lord does do something for Ishmael, doesn't he? Look what he says. We'll move down. It's down in verse 20. but Verse 19. God said, Sarah thy wife shall bear a son indeed, and you shall call his name Isaac, which means laughter, and I will establish my covenant with him for everlasting covenant, and with his seed after him. In verse 20, and as for Ishmael, I have heard thee. Who's Ishmael? Do you guys remember who Ishmael is? Remember? The Arab nation, right? And, it, and Isaac is who? The Jewish people, right? Okay, so you got the Arab Ishmael, the Jews Isaac, Okay. And God says he's going to bless Isaac with the everlasting seed and all the above. And then he says what? Verse 20. And as for Ishmael, this is the Arabs, I have heard thee, and behold, I have blessed him, and will make him fruitful, and will multiply him exceedingly. Twelve princes shall he begat, and I will make him a great nation. Look at that. God says he's going to bless the Arabs. And has he blessed it? Yes, he has. Guess what? He's blessed them with oil like never before. They have more riches and more money than anyone. They're exceedingly rich. They will exceedingly multiply and be fruitful as it tells us here. Guess how much oil the Israel has? 
None. They have none. They have zero. Zip. Nada. But the Lord has blessed the Arabs in such a way with money. They've always had that. Saddam Hussein and all, man, you, you know all the billions of dollars. They, I mean, they got so much, those oil tycoons. But anyways, verse 21. But my covenant will I establish with Isaac, which Sarah shall bear unto thee at this time next year. Look at that. God gives him a certain time, doesn't he? He says, this time next year you'll have that child Isaac. Can you imagine that? After 99 years of waiting for a son to pass on your hands to, God says next year you're going to have it. Do you trust the Lord? And verse 22, and he left off talking with him, and God went up from Abraham. Oh, I love that. There's a time when God came and talked with Abraham, and there's a time when he left. Gosh! The Lord wants to talk to us, and he wants to spend time with us. A couple more verses here, four more verses. Verse 23, and so what does Abraham does, do? Abraham took Ishmael, his son, and all that were born in his house, and all that were bought with his money. Every male, all the slaves, all the men, Abraham's house, and circumcised the flesh of their foreskin in the same day as God had said unto him. And Abraham was 99 years old when he was circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin. And I wrote, ouch. <laughs> But guess what? Look what Abraham did. When does it say he circumcised them? In the same day that he heard from God. Same day. No hesitation. I would have been hesitating like crazy, man. Like, gosh, you know, I'm 99 years old, man. And I've got to circumcise all the rest of the guys in the family. Oh, snap. <laughs> How am I going to pull this off? What am I going to do? I don't want to do this. But in the same day, he listened. It was, a, it was a hard command now, wasn't it? It was heavy. It was difficult burden, wasn't it? But Abraham took on the task. And he circumcised that same day that God had spoken to him. And what a word for us. As I finish this up, I'm going to finish up on that word. But Let's read verse 25 through 27. And Ishmael, his son, was 13 years old when he was circumcised in the flesh and his foreskin. 26, and the same day was Abraham circumcised and Ishmael his son. Wow. That speaks volumes. The father and son do the exact same thing on the same day. Fathers or future fathers, let your sons and help your sons to follow after you. Set that example. You be circumcised in your flesh and they will be too. Important. Women, the same thing with your daughters. And all the men of the house, born in, in his house, and bought with money of stranger, were circumcised with him. Every single one. How do we close that up? How do we finish it? In this way. What has been the word of the Lord for you tonight, today, in this moment? What is it? How has the Lord spoken to you? What has he said to you? What do you know is the right thing? What do you know that needs to be circumcised in your life? It needs to be done today, right now, the same day. You understand? Not tomorrow. We still got, you know, what, three hours and 15 minutes of this day left. And it needs to be done today, right now, in this moment. In your heart, in mine too, okay? We need to take action. What if we're in heaven tonight? 
what if we're in heaven tomorrow and there's no more today or tomorrow? It's just done. We're, it's over. You're done. We're in heaven. Tomorrow you'll be walking on the streets of gold. Prepare yourself. Hanging out with the king tomorrow. You're not going to be at school tomorrow. You're not going to be at work tomorrow. You're not going to be even, you know, you're going to be in heaven tomorrow. You'll be walking around with Jesus. So prepare yourself tonight. Be ready. Make that decision. Make that same day decision. Stop asking how and start doing it right now. No more how. Right now. What about this? I don't know about now. Right now in this moment, in this second. And we're going to do that. And so I'm going to pray for you guys. And while we're praying, and I give you a chance to agree, you say, yes, Lord, that's me. And you speak to the Lord yourself and say, amen, I want that. Okay? However it comes out, you let that be in your life, okay? Father, Lord, do you hear us? Father, I come on behalf of the people asking that you, Lord, would truly circumcise each one of us, God, spiritually. That you cut away the flesh, Lord, that haunts us and wants to take us down. That, Lord, the things that we know to do today, that we would do them now. We want to do them now. Same day, right now, in this moment, King. That's us. And so, Lord, we say yes and we say amen to that and we ask that you would do that in our lives. Please, each one individually. Every single one of us. Make us whole. Make us upright and sincere towards you, King. Make us those men and women that you want us to be, that we can stand pillars, that no man can move, trees that are planted deep in the ground, that people look at and want to eat our fruit, Lord, because they'd see it so wonderful and luscious and amazing the way we live our lives and the way we love and we have this sweet joy. We want that, Lord. Please make us those men and women. Do whatever it takes, Lord. We are ready and available. And we trust you, Lord. We trust you with our lives. So we just say thank you for speaking to us tonight, King, in the ways that you have. And just ask that your will would be done in all these things, God, that you truly would circumcise us and that you would make us the people that you want us to be. We're here for you. We want to bless you, Lord. Thank you for the work that you're going to do in all these. Be with each one. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 I love you guys.